Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study of uh, the Old Testament right now. We've been working through together, a chapter at a time, uh, the Old Testament after finishing up five years in the New Testament. We've uh, begun our run in the Old Testament. We're 19 chapters into the book of Genesis. This study will take us about a year just to get through Genesis and then because uh, it's 50 chapters long and, you know, we miss a week here or there. So uh, we'll be running through that together and then all the rest of them as we go. So it's a, it's a journey, but I, I hope it's, uh, it's one that, um, you know, you, you're getting something out of. Reading through the scripture this way is very important. Looking at it in context is very important. And, um, you know, some of those key sort of ideas that we introduce, you can follow through as you read along. Genesis, uh, as I said, you know, the first sort of 11 chapters of Genesis are, are about four big events that we covered. You know, you have creation, you have the fall, uh, you have the flood and the Tower of Babel. So those sort of, so w when you're thinking, you know, you can think about, well, what's going on? And you can find those things in the scripture there in the beginning. And then um, the rest of Genesis is sort of about four main people. There's lots of other very important people in the mix. But um, primarily, we're looking at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and their story all the way through the rest of Genesis. Uh, as I said, lots of more, lots of important people in the books, but, but it sort of moves around and revolves around those four throughout the rest of the um, book. Right now, we're looking at um, the life of Abraham. You know, so far, we've met him. He's seen that he's followed God, you know, uh, uh, he was Abram when he started. He's now Abraham. He began his journey at about the age of 75. Um, he, uh, he, they had Ishmael at about 86. And then, um, uh, then they had uh, Isaac. He was about 99. And so it's past that now. Um, and um, we get to chapter 19. In chapter 18, remember, very important to sort of remember that the, uh, the angels visited um, Abraham. We saw how they brought him good news that, oh, he's about to have the child. He hasn't had it yet, 99. So he's that age now. Um, Isaac's coming. Uh, that, was the, that was the thing in Genesis 18. Hey, you know, by this time next year, you'll have a son. And so he brought good news. And then he also told Abraham what was about to happen in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham uh, pleads with God and says, look, if you can, and gets it down to 10, if you can find 10 innocent people, would you spare the city? And he says, yes. And, uh, and now we're going to move into Genesis 19. Genesis 19 is actually, um, I think, a pretty sad chapter. Um, but y you need to look at it as a comparison, really, of... of um, how Abraham has chosen to live and how Lot has chosen to live and what's going on and revolving around their stories. Because I think that's what really chapter 19 is about. Uh, and, and we'll look at that together. Um, but there's some difficult stuff that happens in chapter 19. And, and really, I, it's a picture um, of... Uh, you're going to see a couple of things. You, you're going to see the mercy of God and how often He gives people chances. And at the same time, you're going to see that... Um, ultimately evil has to be judged and and so you're, you're going to see a taste of what that looks like and then you, you can start to work into the process you know what we're heading towards again is that a, a day is coming when 
when, when the Lord comes back, and that day, is, it's called the great and terrible day of the Lord. Um, it's a great day for everyone who has decided to follow Him. It is not a great day for people who have chosen not to. Uh, and, and so um, that, that's there uh, in the process, and, and so it's sort of a picture of what's going to take place in, uh, in this. When we look at Genesis 19, uh, as God deals with um, you know, evil and, and how it needs to be handled. So that's kind of the, the heart of the story. Um, people will take events in here and try and uh, uh, sort of focus in on them, and they miss the bigger picture. And so I want to look at the bigger picture of what's really, you know, what's going on and how we're, we're to look at it together. Um, but to me, the chapter is really about um, uh, Lot's spiritual decline by the choices that he's made. And after this chapter, we're not going to hear from Lot anymore. We're going to continue to hear from Abraham and uh, see how, you know, how important his life was throughout history. Uh, his life has a huge impact on all of us, and, and yet Lot's choices to go in the other, you know, following after the world instead, um, will, you know, be sort of this, kind of the end of his story, finishing here. So, you know, Abraham was a friend of God, but Lot really chose to be a friend of the world. And there's a lot of contrast. Um, for example, before we get into the reading, when this, the uh, heavenly contingent comes to visit Abraham, remember it was two angels and the Lord uh, in a theophany, that's what we called it. Uh, um, uh, you know, he, the Lord shows up, but, um, but at the city, only, only the two angels go. But Abraham was um, at um, the tent of his, you know, at the door of his tent. Lot was, is going to be sitting in the gate of a wicked city. Um, Abraham had stayed true to the calling of God. He was a pilgrim and a stranger just passing through the world. Lot had gradually abandoned his tent and he'd settled down in Sodom. Instead of keeping his eye on the heavenly city, um, he had taken his eye and focused it on the worldly city of Sodom. And so, you know, we saw how uh, he had, when, when they came time to, you know, they had to separate because of things that were going on, you know, um, Lot looked at the city of Sodom and moved in that direction. Uh, we think, you know, he had been influenced by the time in Egypt and the things that were offered there. Um, so he moved his tent near Sodom, and ultimately he moves into Sodom all the way. And um, uh, he, he, he becomes enough of a part of that city that he's sitting at the city gate. And the people that sat at the city gate were sort of the, the leaders of the community. They, they conducted business there. So he had some position of authority by this point in time in Sodom when he was there. Uh, um, Abraham gets his visit in the early afternoon, um, but, but um, this visit to Sodom happens in the evening. I, I think that's a contrast of Abraham walking in the light and, and you know, Lot walking in the darkness. Uh, Lot calls himself a servant, but you're going to see he, he, he tries to kind of take care of the, the two angels, but it's not the way Abraham had done, you know, where Abraham hastened to make this amazing meal. We're going to see Lot sort of get some bread unleavened, but, you know, bread made for them and, and uh, in the process, and he tries to, you know, he, he knows how wicked the city is. He's trying to get the, the, the two visitors out of that mess, but uh, not, in a, not in a good way. He wasn't enough, he wasn't willing enough to get out of the city in the first place. Um, uh, you know, we're going to see him you know, try and pacify this crowd by offering them his two unmarried daughters to, to the lust of the crowd. And you almost can't even imagine that. Um, you know, what's happened to Lot's values at this point in his life where that's even an option? 
Um, and, and so he kind of is willing to offer his, his daughters up to the world. Um, you, you know, in the contrast, you'll la later on, you'll see Abraham who's willing to offer up his son to the Lord. Huge difference in the process. Um, the message that God brings to Abraham was a joyful one. The message to Lot was frightening. It was about to destroy Sodom and everything in it. Um, God would have saved the city if he could have found ten um, believers there. He didn't. He does rescue the believers he finds, and they are just sort of marginal at best anyway. But you see that happen. Um, because of the faith of Abraham, Abraham is a blessing, uh, not only to his home, but to the whole world. Um, but you're going to see that because of Lot's worldliness, he has absolutely no impact on his home or his city. Um, he's, he's got nothing. That, and when things happen, his, his, his voice means nothing. So Lot was conformed to the world, and what you see from that is that everything that he has goes up in smoke. It's buried under the ruins somewhere in the area around the Dead Sea. So, you know, those are the, those are the contrasts that I want you to see. And, and really, I, I think chapter 19 is, is set up as a contrast to 18, and it's set up so you can see the difference of Abraham following after God and Lot choosing not to, and what that looks like in the course of life. And I think that's the main thing that you need to see in Genesis 19. But I said Genesis 19, sad chapter. Let's read it, beginning in verse 1. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we'll spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind them and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Now, just to bring that point up, um, in, the, in this period of time, what they were trying to do was assert their dominance over these guys, and that's how they would do that. It happened in battles at the time. It happened in all sorts of things. Um, in, in a wicked uh, spot, it was to completely humiliate the men that had showed up in their town. That's what the other men had gone to do, to let them know sort of who was in charge, who was in control, who's the boss. That's the process that's taking place. Lot goes outside to meet them, shuts the door behind them, says, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Again, <laughs> how far had... See, understand, now, Lot knows how evil the city is, because he tries to get these two guys out of there in the first place. But he's still choosing to live there. And then he's willing to say, well, take my daughters. The, the whole thing just is a picture of how far Lot has fallen. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, talking about Lot. And now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anywhere, uh, anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against His people is so great that He has sent us to destroy it. 
So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. You'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hand of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew these cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation and the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he is afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old. There is no man around here uh, to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine. The older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went and lay with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son. She named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, that is a tough chapter of Scripture. And uh, that's one of the fun things about reading it in context. You can't skip over them. <laughs> Just because you'd rather not look at some of how hard um, these things were. But I think it's important that we understand it's there, why it's there, what's happening. And that really it's this tremendous contrast of... Um, life. Now, and Abraham, now get Abraham, see why well, it's important, we've already seen that Abraham's not perfect, but his heart's desire is to live for God to do the next right thing. And you see how, um, you know, God moves into his life and is bringing through, through uh, fruition the promises that he's given him. Lot has chosen to do it his own way with his eyes on the world and his entire world crumbles and it impacts his entire family um, in horrific ways. And, and that's, you know, that's his legacy that, we, that he has to deal with. So let's run through some of these things together. Uh, verse 1, again, the entrance of the city was a meeting place for officials and, and uh, for people to discuss current events and to transact business. Uh, it was a place of authority. And so um, evidently Lot had some position there um, uh, and because that's where he, the angels found him when he got there. Um, and 
So, so now you start to, because Lot's reluctant to leave. Um, so he, he enjoys the life that he has found for himself in, in uh, the wicked city of Sodom. He likes living there. And he's, you know, established himself there, and perhaps he's respected as, as some type of leader um, in the process. But um, he, even though he's told it's about to get destroyed, they have to, they kind of have to grab him and drag him out of the city. Part of that you, you need to see is the mercy of God, who, um, and you have to see it as, as him responding to Abraham's prayer for Lot. Uh, to what lengths he's willing to go to to, to honor those things. So, you know, you, you need to think about the impact that we have as we entreat the Lord for our families and our friends and the loss, that it makes a difference. It has impact in the process. Um, but anyway, you, you begin to see that happen in there in the first few verses. Um, by the time we get to verse 8, that's that situation where he's, he's, he's willing to give his, his daughters out there and you think, you know, because uh, if, you, if you think like a father, I mean, that, how, how'd that even become um, a possibility? You know, it was customary to, to go to great lengths to protect, to protect your guests, but um, to, to even think about offering up your daughters is, is you know, uh, beyond um, what someone, you know, should be able to process. And yet you, you sort of see that this is the, the depth of, of the depravity of Lot's life that it was even an option. And uh, so he'd become hardened to the evil in the city around him. That, and that's really the big issue. That's, that's what we had to be careful of. We live in a fallen world. Um, and, and so it's, it's everywhere. Evil is apparent. You don't, you don't have to go you know, looking hard to see evil things in the world around us. It's everywhere. But um, we have to be careful that we don't get so used to it that we get hard, you know, that we don't, it doesn't impact us anymore. It has to. So, so this is, you know, part of the, the issue. And uh, the wickedness in Sodom was so great, you know, the, that, that uh, um, and, and in so many different ways that, that it cried out for, that God needed to deal with the process. So we also know from verse 13, in verse 13 that, um, uh, from the last chapter in, in, in chapter 18 that, that God had promised to spare, to spare Sodom if, if only 10 innocent people lived there. Only 10. Remember I, I said I think that Abram negotiated it down to 10 because he knew Lot and his family were there and, and uh, we're, we're pretty confident Lot had more than the two daughters who weren't married. There were other daughters um, and sons-in-laws. Abraham's thinking was they, well they should, that should be enough to save the city. I got that family in there, but it wasn't even close. They only, they only bring four out, and like I said, they're marginal at best in the process. So um, they couldn't find ten innocent people. Um, uh, archaeological evidence points to a, a, an advanced civilization in that area during the time of Abram, 2600 so uh, BC, and, and that came to a sudden sort of devastating destruction. There were some parts of civilization that were fairly well advanced that, that far. I mean, not, you know, not, but, but, you know, cities with lots of things happen. And um, Abraham came out of a city like that, Ur, um, Sodom. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, that, that, that city now lies um, beneath the waters of the southern end of the Dead Sea is where they think the remains are, the destruction of that city. Um, Verse 14, Lot had been so sort of 
compromised by the way that he lived, that he was no longer a believable witness for God. Um, and so what had happened was his environment had shaped him instead of him shaping his environment. And so when, when he tried to, you know, even when he tried to make a difference, he talked to his sons-in-laws to get out, they laughed at him. He was a laughing sort of process. Again, that's, that's part of the issue of, of um, why we talk all the time about how important it is to live by doing the next right thing. We're not perfect. And again, Abraham wasn't perfect. This is hopeful. But it's a, it's a decision that we make to try and live this thing in a way that, that pleases God, even though we fall short, but that we consistently are working towards that so that um, when opportunities arise, we can share good news with people and, and hopefully it will be listened to at some level. But if we become so much like the environment, um, then, then, you know, we're not going to be hurt. So it's, it's an interesting walk. I mean, we're, we, we can't separate ourselves to the point where we, we can't have an impact. And Jesus didn't do that. But we need to be different enough that people can understand what's going on. And again, our model for that is Jesus, right? I told you, Jesus, if you were here last weekend, he liked to go to, he went to parties. He hung out with people nobody else would hang out with. But, but there was something different about him always. And, uh, and, and people were drawn to that. In verse 16, even after the warning, Lot hesitates so that the angel actually sees his hand and rush him to safety. Again, Lot doesn't want to give up his position, his wealth, his, his, uh, uh, the comfort apparently that he enjoyed in Sodom. He, he didn't want to be a tent dweller even though that it was called to be. He, he wanted to live in a city. And, and, um, uh, you know, but, but the, it was a false attraction that he was drawn to that was causing problems. Also in these same verses, like verse 16, then towards the end now, we, we see God's mercy um, toward Abraham extended to Lot and his family because Abraham had pleaded with, uh, for Lot. God was merciful and, and saved Lot out of that destruction. Um, and so, you know, it's important to note that, uh, that as you, again, continue to, to pray for your family and your, your friends and the people that are in your world, that it makes a difference and it's important, a, a righteous person can affect um, others for good. In James 5, remember, it says, earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. And so we should always be praying for those that, um, that are around us to come to know Jesus who don't know Jesus. And we see it's a, you know, it's a very important part of the process. Nine, uh, verse 24 of 19, um, again, you, you really see sort of, two facets of God's character. You see his great patience, a willingness to spare the city if there's just ten there. And at the same time, you see how sin has to be dealt with. And um, it's a picture of the wrath of God. Uh, and his, his um, the way that sin needs to be dealt with, uh, ultimately, you know, is it, it's, it's, Jesus paid for it all, but, but people who don't receive that will, will fall under the judgment of sin and that separation of God. So, you know, it's important for us to tell people about the good news. We also see in verse 26, Lot's wife that had been impacted by the whole thing. She turns to see what's happening, even though she was told not to look back. Um, kind of like clinging to the past, unwilling to turn away. And uh, when she did, she was turned into a pillar of salt. We don't want to make sure we're not holding on to old things. You know, the, the admonition in the New Testament, we can't serve two masters. So, you know, we need to be aware of that. Um, and then, you know, there's, uh, 
in the in the end of the story, it's, if that wasn't bad enough, we've got this this uh, interaction between Lot and his daughters, and um, you know their their misguided attempt to um, preserve the family line because Lot, their father, had dropped the ball. wasn't He should have long since then provided husbands for them, and hadn't done any of that, and um, so. Uh, not having done that, the daughters take matters in their own hands, and um, you know th this act goes on with um, they, they get impregnated by Lot, and, and um, again, you know, just perpetuating the, the sin in this family, and the the um, the children that were born out of this union, um, uh, Moab and Benami, um, they become the fathers, uh, interestingly, of two of Israel's greatest enemies that they have to deal with throughout the course of time, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And, and um, they settled east of the Jordan. Uh, Israel never conquers them. Uh, because of the family connection, Moses was forbidden to attack them in Deuteronomy. We'll see that. And, and they are a thorn in the side of this whole process forever because of an unwillingness to deal with things rightly. And so you, the whole story, as I said, it's a contrast. And, and you need to see the fallout of going after the way of the world instead of going after the ways of God. I think that's why it's presented here and at this time. And this will happen throughout, you know, the text. You'll see that, that um, you know, the encouragement of God is for us to follow after Him and to live for Him to the best of our ability. Again, like Abraham, we're not perfect, but a willingness to, to continue to, you know, press in in Him and yield and repent and do those things we need to do um, and not be so attracted to the world that we miss out on, on the better part of life and what's going on. So, as I said, kind of a sad chapter. Um, but, nonetheless, we've, uh, we've looked at that. and You can consider that as we go. That's enough for me. So if you would uh, end the video there, that would be great.